At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey guys, it's Mark. And I'm Charity. And welcome to the Case Watch Podcast. Case Watch deals with content meant for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Case Watch. Confirming the body found in Grand Teton National Park is Gabby Petito, and she was killed. We, the jury, in the above entitled action, find the defendant, Orenthal James Simpson, not guilty of the crime of murder. Late today, Chris Watts was officially charged with the murders of his wife and his two young girls. Remember these words. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Hello, guys, and we are back in studio. Guys, I can see Mark right now. Hi, Charity, I see you. Hi, Mark. We're back. It's a lot better to be in studio. It's different. Like we made it work, but you know, it's a lot better. I think of an atmosphere for us when we're recording in the same room. It's so much better. And I am, I'm sure I speak for all the crime creeps when I say, I'm so glad you're feeling better. Yes. Thank you. Everybody who's reached out to me. It was phenomenal that it's shows the support system that we've kind of grown here yeah. in the case watch community. I thank each and every one of you who has reached out to me. Can't do this without you. We absolutely love the support we get from all of you. With all that being said, if you want to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram, it's case watch podcast, Twitter case watch pod. You want to follow me who I am still not beating charity on Instagram yet, but we're getting up there. Cause I have the secret Sophie, the crime kitty weapon. That's not fair. I post cute cat pictures and the people seem to like it, Charity. What can I do? Well, you know what? I'm just going to have to up my game and I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. We All right. It. We'll see what it is. You guys want to see the war that's going on? I am at not Mark B on Instagram. Charity is at charity underscore case watch. So we'll see which one of us wins. Guys, team charity. Team Mark for the win, baby. No way. Also, let's not forget the text and voicemail line 603-212-4600. Email info at casewatchpodcast.com. Dot com. Also, visit our website for links to all of our merch and stickers. Plus, you can join the exclusive Crime Creep Club. All that and more by clicking the Buy Us a Coffee tab at www.casewatchpodcast.com. I know I got you doing that now, I too. I love it. I have to do it after you say it. I'm sorry. I, it's great when people send it to me. I get it nonstop. I love it. <laughs> Dot com. You do it so well. I try. I got to do a couple things in life well. So, yeah, you know. of course. All right. And a case update. So let's just roll right into it. The Helena Hutchins case, officials with the Santa Fe District Attorney's Office stated Friday that Alec Baldwin has finally, finally, guys, really, 
turned over his cell phone to authorities a month after the search warrant for the device was issued as part of the investigation into the fatal shooting on the set of Rust. Their search warrant for Baldwin's phone was approved by a Santa Fe County magistrate judge on December 16th. Baldwin's attorney acknowledged receipt of the warrant and the Santa Fe County District Attorney's Office was negotiating with Baldwin's lawyer to retrieve the phone, according to the sheriff's office. Let me stop right there and say, what kind of uh, negotiations are going on? I'm so confused by this. Why did it take him so long to turn over the phone? Is oh, we're going to get into that. Oh, okay. But why are they negotiating? I don't know. There's a search warrant that was issued. Do we all get that right given to us where we can negotiate on what we give as, you know, search warrant? Highly doubt it. Yeah, that's absolutely pathetic. Authorities said they want to look at text messages sent from the phone as part of its investigation into the onset shooting in Santa Fe last year that killed cinematographer Helena Hutchins and wounded its director, Joel Souza. If you guys haven't heard the case that we did, we did one a couple episodes ago that go into great detail on all this. So if you haven't heard it, go back and check it out. Investigators are also seeking to seize photos and videos, emails, internet browser histories, GPS data, and more according to the warrant. Oh, Makes you wonder what they're digging for. I wonder. But, you know, don't fear. Baldwin took to his Instagram last week to explain the delay in handing over the phone, saying he wanted to ensure his private communications were protected. Interesting. Hmm. A lot going on there to unpack. Really makes you wonder. It really does. Uh, any suggestion that I am not complying with requests or orders or search warrants about my phone, that's bull beep. That's a lie. Baldwin said in a nearly five minute video posted on January 8th, somebody take his Instagram account oh away from God. him. God, Come on. What the heck? I know some people just need to learn when to talk and when to not. Just be quiet and be compliant. Well, according to him, it's a process that takes time. They have to specify what exactly they want. They just can't go through your phone and take, you know, your photos or your love letters, your wife or whatever they else they want. Oh. Oh, maybe he's on some inappropriate pictures of, you know, yeah, I know it makes you really wonder on his old man body. Baldwin went on to say, <laughs> Sorry. All right. Baldwin went on to say, but of course, we are 1000% going to comply with all of that. We're, you know, perfectly fine with all of that. Just a flashback, you know, in case anybody is living under a rock. Baldwin shot Hutchins on October 21st on the set of the Western, which he was producing and starring in. The actor believed he was handling a cold gun. And for those of you who don't know, that's one without live ammunition when it apparently went off and a live bullet struck Hutchins. Someone put a live bullet in a gun, a bullet that wasn't even supposed to be on the property. That's what Baldwin told ABC News reporter George Stepanopoulos in an interview back in December. Someone is responsible for what happened, and I can't say who it is, but I know it's not me. Mark, that interview kind of irritated me, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay. There was no need for it. It was just him going on, making it about me, 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 me. I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. I'm not saying he did anything wrong, but just be quiet, sit back, and let the investigators do their job. Why do you have to go on TV? I don't understand that. Kind of a flashback to uh, Stephen Bertolino, to be honest with you. Kind of, yeah. People need to just shush. Shush. The uh, homicide investigation, which is being led by the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Office, is ongoing and no criminal charges have been filed as of yet. Oh, mm. my gosh. It really makes you wonder, Charity, what they're digging for. I have a couple questions, right? I have a lot, but let's I, go ahead and start with what you have. Okay, so first off, we, we this is... 
this is really the only information that's come out in a while. Yes. So I'm wondering if they also confiscated everybody else's phones and we just didn't hear about it, but I think we would. I think we would have heard about it. So exactly. What are they looking for? It makes you wonder, are they trying to prove that he wasn't paying attention? Are they trying to prove that he was not doing stuff? Yeah. Also, because Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, if you remember, who was the set's armorer, just also issued a statement because it actually had filed a lawsuit against the ammo provider that Alec Baldwin had actually refused a cross-draw training just days before the shooting happened. Really? This is a lot to unpack here. It really is. And it's going to be ongoing. At the end of the day, let's all just remember, Joel Souza was injured. Helena Hutchins is no longer with us. She now has a son who is without a mother and a husband who is without her. Very sad. So we can point our fingers all over the place that we want to, which all of these people are, are doing And Alec Baldwin, I'm sorry, if you're going to keep going on Instagram and giving out statements, blaming everybody else, all you're doing is basically twisting a knife into the heart of the family of Helena Hutchins. I agree 100%. And that's, again, going back to that interview, you should have been on there talking about her the entire interview or or not you. You know, it's just, it should have been a, a tribute to her or something. It's not, he just made it all about himself. And that really bothers me. Again, I'm not saying he had anything to do with it. I'm not saying he has anything like any criminal stuff on his phone. Who knows what they're looking for? I do understand a little bit what he's saying about personal stuff because I don't know, like it is very personal. Your texts that you exchange, stuff like that. But in a situation like this, when somebody died, I would just say, here, take it. Just do whatever you need to do. At the end of the day, though, who is he to judge what's personal and what's not? Exactly. Because he could just classify, oh, that thing that has all the proof on it, that's personal. So I'm not sending that. That is a very good point. He is not the arbiter of truth in this situation. He has not been in any part of any of this that's going on. Nope. Alec Baldwin is on the low end of my list of people that I'm going to trust. Yeah. Right now, everybody involved in this case is on a sinking life raft and they're just trying their best to point their fingers at everybody else. Exactly. And it makes me sick. Me too. Like it really does. This is a sad case and we're going to follow this and we're going to keep updating you as more information comes out. Yep. All right, guys, we also have got a bunch of different names given to us. They're good. Yeah. I like some of them, but we're going to go ahead and stick with the, as of now, unnamed stupid criminal excuses, because that's just fits us and it's top notch. Cherry, please tell me you have some. I sure do. Here's our first one. Sharon Robinson, 51, was sent to jail for 18 months because she stabbed her boyfriend in the back while he was in bed. Her excuse for causing a wound so deep a blood transfusion was needed. Her boyfriend, Jonathan Gimblet, was clumsy and fell on the knife while in the kitchen. I hate when that happens. Oh my God. That gets a whole new level of uh, stabbing somebody in the back for number one. <laughs> yeah, it's like literally. <laughs> the uh, also brings me up to, because people like when we bring up our old movies that we really love. Yep. So that excuse is along the lines of, do you remember the last Boy Scout? Yeah, but I, I don't remember like the whole I'll just break down the one scene that involves basically what you just said. Basically, this guy had an affair with somebody else's wife. And he says, there is no excuse. Would you slip, fall, your default in her? Like, I I love that to this day. It's such a good movie. Mark, why is that funny? That can happen. Can it? Uh, Charity. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, okay. Why, Why were they naked together in the bathroom? Maybe... Someone had a boil or something. They Saving to water? <laughs> Conserving water? I don't know. I don't know. Let's move on to the next. 
Derek Robinson, 67, pleaded guilty to three charges of making indecent images of children. He was caught with over 3,000 child abuse photos and videos of girls as young as four. Gross. You're gross. You're disgusting. I hate these people. When questioned by investigators, Robinson said he had no interest in child pornography. He only downloaded the images to see if he could break the law. He must have just been trying to keep law enforcement on their toes. I'm confused. What do you mean you're confused? He wanted to see if he could break the law. Well, that that's the only reason he had the pornography on there. Well, there's a lot of other things you could do to break the law. No, he, he this is what he chose, Mark. Wow. Yeah, he got caught by accident. We should do a new movie instead of A Star is Born. It's just like a Dimwood is Born. Seriously? Didn't someone send that to us? I would like to think I came up with it, but Marky. the last couple of weeks have been a complete fuzz to me with COVID. So I don't know. I probably stole it. You stole it from Dave. I did. Dave, did he say that? Dave said a demo was born and I really liked that one. And Dave, I apologize that Mark probably read it and then it registered in his brain somewhere and just like stayed there in his foggy brain when he had COVID. It just came out now. Hey, Dave, got any other good ideas you want to give me? I'll steal those too. <laughs> oh, no. Speaking of that, we love it when you guys reach out to us as Michelle did when she told me that Waterworld sucked. <laughs> well, Michelle, no, it doesn't. I love Waterworld. You're not going to convince me otherwise. Just wanted to throw that out there. I'm glad you got that out of your system. I did. Do you have the next one? I do. James Lawson, 39, was caught with a knife for the second time in three years. Lawson told the police that the knife wasn't in his pocket to use as a weapon. He was going to use it to cut his nails and his tobacco. Uh, McFly? Yeah. That's the only reason it was in there. Why do you cut your nails with a knife? You don't. (laughs) I love idiots. I really do. (laughs) Wayne Cuthbert, 39, broke into a home by going through the kitchen window. How did he pry the window open, do you ask, Mark? He used a spatula that he had previously stolen from another home. (laughs) Cuthbert was disturbed by the shocked homeowner. Don't worry, guys. He eased the homeowner's mind by letting them know he didn't break in. He was just trying to fix the kitchen window, a window that wasn't broken before the spatula incident. See, he left something (laughs) on the table here. This... Dimwit could have totally went on to say, I was just breaking in to make your breakfast. See, I brought my spatula and everything. We have to do the new. Come on, Mark. You have the best excuses. Remember, we talked about a new segment. I know. I it's know. coming into fruition on its own. Yeah, let's we'll just let it flow naturally. All right. I guess. I have one more. Okay. Nomen Asm. I think that's how you say it. 27. <laughs> I love the name. N O M A N. Nomen, right? Like yep. without the R instead of Norman, it's Nomen. Nomen? I don't Maybe. know. Maybe. He's a truck driver and he took police on quite the pursuit through a residential area. Dash cam showed Azam didn't make any efforts to slow down. When police finally caught up to him and arrested him, he told them the reason he didn't slow down and even sped up was because he didn't know who was following him. He was scared. Guess the siren and flashing lights weren't a clear indicator. Hey, I grew up in the 80s. Here we go. Here we go, Mark. So therefore, we were told if we were not sure it was a cop behind us to continue to a nice, well-lit area or to drive to the police department directly. My dad always used to tell me that. If you feel uncomfortable with anyone behind you, drive to the police station, the closest police station. All it takes is two minutes on YouTube and just punch in fake police officers and you'll see all these dimwit morons out there there's one i i should do a story on this guy because i won't give his name but basically he is a flunky moron who just thinks that 
he's a cop or he wanted to be one and he just didn't have what it took. And he has a massive criminal history. So he started Florida basically brought this um, new law in that allowed people to be funeral escorters. Oh, and he flies around on this old police issue motorcycle that he bought at a public auction and does all of these, you know, funerals I have read about this guy. Oh, he's been arrested like 18 yes, times. He has. And he's actually done like security for WWE events. Like he's been on TV for them. We need to talk about this guy at some point. We could do a whole um, dumb criminal on him. Oh, yeah. 100%. This guy is a moron. And he still thinks that he is wonderful. Oh, my God. Well, actually, in one of the triple D's, remember, we had the the wannabe cop that pulled over the actual cop that got arrested by the I actual cop. I always love cop. that. I love it, too. It's so good. I do weird deep dives on YouTube. I spend way too much time. So basically, I normally work nights and I haven't got out of that schedule, even though I was, you know, two weeks in COVID dealing with that crap. But uh, I will sit there in bed and just scroll on YouTube for hours. And then it'll be like five in the morning and I'll be like, oh, my God. I know it's bad. Like my YouTube history for the last couple of weeks has really screwed up my whole algorithm. Like they just, I'll show you my YouTube when we're done. I'll pull it up right here on air. I'll show you my first three recommended videos. Guys, I'm scared. All right, here we go. Do, do, do. There's a guy who walks around and farts on people in public. (laughs) I'm wicked into listening to those. Those are funny. Um, There's a guy called the detail geek who I love to watch him clean cars. Oh, my God. And then there's a guy named the car wizard who fixes cars. Oh, so, guys, typical 12-year-old boy farts in cars. There we go. There and, we go. And some mixed-in van life. I love Kara and Nate. I, I love those guys if you haven't seen them. so <laughs> That's funny. That's my YouTube history letting out for the masses right there. Well, I don't hide anything. I don't care. I'm glad that people know what you're into, Mark. Yes, I'm going to have a lot of people sending me fart videos now, so. Oh, yeah. Awesome. You want to go ahead and do it? Info case watch podcast.com. <laughs> All right. Speaking of messed up algorithms, Charity, what did you search Google and find for us today to horrify us? This is a really upsetting one. Uh, it involves a 16 year old girl. So trigger warning people. It is going to be a two parter. And because this is very a lot of information, the first this first episode it won't be as horrific as the second one but still pretty bad so all right you guys heard it right there from the get-go trigger warning at parker our purpose is simple we want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently by using more sustainable practices by developing better technologies we keep moving forward with each new idea innovation and partnership We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So we're going to be talking about Gertrude Beneshevsky, or White. Sometimes she would go by for her last name. And she is known as the Torture Mother. 
Okay. Okay. It's not starting off well. It isn't. Gertrude was born to parents Molly Myrtle and Hugh Marcus Van Fossen Sr. on September 19, 1929 in Indianapolis, Indiana. She was the third born of a total of six children. It's been said that Gertrude had a very close relationship with her father, but a distant relationship with her mother. When she was only 11 years old, she would witness her father have a massive heart attack and die in 1940. This was extremely traumatic and extra traumatic due to the close relationship she and her father had. And it would also make her relationship with her mother even more strained. So she kind of didn't have close relationship with her mother. Her father dies right in front of her, which that's traumatic in general. And he, he was her person. You know, he was, he was who she was close to between the two parents. After, you know, losing a parent when I was young, it it is, it really messes you up. And I've actually named it the, you know, loss of a young parent club. And I have that with a couple of my friends and we kind of console each other. So yeah, I kind of get that, that it's very hard to deal with. Right. I don't know if maybe she had resentment towards her mother for not being the one to die instead of her father. I know that sounds horrible, but if she really didn't have a relationship with her mother and her father who she, you know, looked up to. It sounds horrible, but it's weird of me to say, I kind of get what you're saying. Yeah. I don't, I mean, who knows what goes through a a child's mind like that? You know, there isn't much information on her childhood until Gertrude is 16. At this time, she would drop out of high school and get married to an 18 year old deputy named John Banaszewski. The couple would go on to have four children together and be married for 10 years. This was not an easy marriage. John had a horribly volatile temper and was known to beat his wife for annoying him. Those were, that was in quotes. He would say that to her. You're, you, the speeding is because you were annoying me. I mean, come on now. Yeah, that's uh, not classy, sir. It is the opposite of classy. During their divorce, Gertrude would receive full custody of the children. Maybe she was able to prove how abusive John was, or maybe he didn't want to deal with the kids. I don't know. Just about a year after Gertrude and John divorced, she would meet a new man quickly. His name was Edward Guthrie. The two would quickly get married, but would only be married for three short months. Again, with the quick marriages, I don't know if she was looking for another daddy or someone to support her. We are building a list of things to look out for. We really are, because this is another one that we've seen in numerous cases. Numerous cases numerous. If you guys want to help us do a list, you guys listen to the same episodes that we do. Let's start putting this together. There is a very, very good telltale sign that we see that happens time in and time out. It's sad. It's very sad. Apparently, Edward was tired of having the four children around. I guess he decided a ready-made family wasn't something he wanted after all, but he married her so quick. He knew she had all those kids. It's just weird. I don't know. You think you would have already come to that conclusion if that's something that you want in your life or not. Right. Not long after her second divorce, Gertrude would find herself back in love with her first husband, John. You know, the abusive one. Maybe he told her how much he had changed and would be the man that she wanted. Because that happens all the time. It does. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I've changed. I took this three months to... With watching you with another man to really yeah, these three months to- <laughs> together, uh, you know, these three months that we spent away from each other, I meant, yeah, exactly. really showed me how much I wanted you in my life. Let me let you in on a secret. People don't 
really change usually. Mm-hmm. They are what they are. Well, and I kind of feel like I, I do think people can change. I do want to say, but there's a there's a lot of hard work that goes into it, especially something like this. There's probably like therapy that would need to be going through. You can't just say I've changed. So you're doing telling me that it, it's probably not possible to happen in three months while she was basically with another man getting married to him. Mark, I am no professional, but I'm going to say it's highly doubtful. Yes. Okay. I'm going to take your non-professional word, Charity. Thank you, Mark. The two would get remarried and stay together for seven years and had two more children until, you guessed it, they would get divorced for the final time. This was in 1963. So they actually had two more kids. So we're looking at, what, six kids now. And they made it seven years. They made it seven years. You know, Charity, if I've learned anything from all my crime watching. If you're in an unhappy relationship, the definite thing you want to do is have more kids. I mean, you know, it helps. Yeah, certainly does. Does not add more stress to an already volatile situation. And I do enjoy that crime watching just became our verb for this show. Yes, we are crime watchers. We're crime watchers. It's kind of like um, leaf peepers and bird watching, but uh, much different. (laughs) Way different. (laughs) Absolutely. Now single again at age 37, she would meet Dennis Lee Wright, a much younger man, only 23 years old to be exact. She was getting her cougar on. Gertrude. (laughs) I love that. Gertrude would move in with Dennis quickly. Again, what the heck? And soon realized that he was also an extremely abusive man. So this, it sounds like she's got a type. For some reason, she, maybe she thinks she can change them. I don't know, but this is the uh, now second one that she. People with daddy issues tend to look for oh, daddy that's issue right, the people. Daddy issue, but her daddy was good, but she was li- young when he died. Daddy issues doesn't always mean that your daddy was bad. That's true. It could also mean that you're longing for someone to replace that void in your yes. life. Yes, I think that has more to do mm-hmm. with it than the bad dad. Yeah, I think you're right. So she would get pregnant by Dennis twice and would suffer a miscarriage. Some have said this loss was due to an abusive outburst by Dennis. Ugh, that's kind of, that's sad if she lost the baby because he beat her. Yeah. The child that Gertrude would give birth to would be named Dennis Lee Wright Jr. Dennis would abandon Gertrude and their infant son. Guess he didn't want to be a father either. During her fertile years, Gertrude would have a total of 13 pregnancies six ma- miscarriages and seven surviving children. Fertile girdle. Yeah. And she now was left to take care of them all on her own. John, her first husband would sometimes send her child fertile girdle. I took you that long charity. Come on. That was a, like my best one. It was almost <laughs> flew under the radar. Oh my God. That was so funny. Whew, sorry. Let me figure out where I am. Always talking about her first husband who would sometimes send her child support checks, but many times he wouldn't. (laughs) Gertrude would take jobs around town for money. They included babysitting and even doing laundry for people. Her money problems would become even worse when she would discover that her 17-year-old daughter Paula had become pregnant after an affair with a married man who was much older than her. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So now there's going to be another mouth to feed. Due to all the worrying and working, Gertrude would become as rundown and haggard looking like the house she and her family lived in. She became very sick and developed many ailments. Her hygiene was horrible and she barely ate. That's sad though. That is sad. For these reasons, she would begin to look much older than she was. Her eyes would begin to sink in accompanied by dark circles and her hairline would even recede. So that's sad. She's 
she's stressed. She's got all these kids. No one's really helping. She's trying to support them all on her own. And now there's another mouth to feed. So I can understand why her body's taking a toll. Plus, she was a very heavy smoker. I'm not making excuses up for anybody. And I don't really know who the bad person is yet. But this is a lot to deal with, If no matter who you are. I agree. And now, if I just defended somebody who was going to turn out to be horrible, I'm going to feel really crappy. I'm saying nothing. You'll have to find out. At this time, Gertrude would use Dennis's last name and go by Mrs. Wright. She believed that this would make her appear more respectable. So she knew that from the outside in, she might look like, oh my gosh, look at this single woman with freaking seven kids. And now one of her daughters is pregnant, even though nobody knew she was pregnant yet. But, you know, she was worried about how the public would look at her. So she figured if she went by Mrs. Wright... They would say, oh, here's this woman who who knows where her husband is, but she's American. I wish it was white instead of because then she would be like the real life Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I know. This, oh my this gosh. is like so close to that. But it's so far. <laughs> so far. So close, but so far away. Paula Gertrude's daughter was hanging out with her neighborhood friend, Darlene McGuire. This would be July of 1965. Darlene would introduce her to Sylvia Marie Likens who was 16 at the time, and her sister Jenny, who was 15 at the time. Jenny walked with the help of braces due to having polio. So she had polio early on. She was left with those braces on her legs, kind of, you know, struggles a little bit with her walking. This is the opposite of Forrest Gump. Jenny has the brake laces. Oh my God, that's right. I didn't even think, this is, again, guys, this is why I have Mark, because I don't even think of these this things. This is to keep me around for useless stuff. Yeah, it's great useless use the. Jenny. John I. Jenny. Mama always told me Aww, stupid is the stupid does. Such a good movie. Love that movie. Oh. Should we get into our favorite, you know, Tom Hanks movies the next next podcast? Oh, maybe. I don't Listen. think people come here for our, our movie recommendations. No, I don't so. think so. The sisters came from a large family of little means. They were from Boone County, northwest of Indianapolis. Their father, Lester, wasn't an educated man. In fact, he left school after the eighth grade. He would work many odd jobs because of this. One of these odd jobs was to travel with the carnival, working on a food cart. There wasn't much info about their mother, but at the time, their mother was the one that moved them out to the area without their father. So for some reason, she left with her girls. Huh. Yeah. All four girls were enjoying hanging out with each other and would find themselves hanging out at Paula's house. So before I continue, uh, a lot of places that I read, and I actually read a book too, which I'll link or tell everyone before we end. Um, so Paula, Gertrude's daughter. So Gertrude's house, all the kids went and hung out there. Okay. They pretty much could do whatever they want. They could smoke. They could talk about sex. They, it was like the hangout for the neighborhood and, and Paula's friends who were all. So when you're a kid, there. that's like the cool place it was to the, be. It was considered the cool yeah. house at the time. Okay. So they, they just, um, enjoyed listening to music and had a soda and they just sat and talked and wait, they had a what? Are you going to make me say it again? Yes, please do. I, I'm going to say it right now. Okay. Soda. What did you say the last time? I think I said soda with an R. I love it. Ugh, I don't know why I do that, guys. This would be 3850 East New York Street in Indianapolis. So that's the address of the house. Okay. While hanging out, the sisters would tell their new friends that their mother had recently been arrested for shoplifting and was in jail. Their father, Lester, wasn't around because their mother left him, essentially kidnapping the girls. For these reasons, Sylvia was left to take care of herself and her younger sister. 
I know this was in the 1960s, but wasn't there any child services back then? How come nobody knew they were by themselves? I, yeah, I mean, it was the 60s, so. That's true. I wish I grew up back then. I really do feel like I was, I grew up in the wrong era. I should have been in the 50s. I watched Back to the Future and it makes me wish I was back then. Really? Oh my God, that is my time. Hmm. I hate technology. Well, I love it. I mean, look was, around you. Right. But like, I, I just think the time back then was a period that would have would have suited me well. Like the music and stuff, what would be kind of the- Everything, the- car hop, old, old cars that, you know, you're tuning up and having fun, the music, everything. Like I look at, basically, you go back into the 50s, into the back to the future scene, like that's ideal mark time. Oh. I love it. I love the formalcy of it. I love all of it. I do like the clothing and the hairdos. Oh, absolutely. The hairdos were so cute. Paula, pregnant with her own child at such a young age, felt bad for the sisters and invited them to stay the night. Lester must have found out that Betty was in jail and was alerted to where the girls were. He showed up in the neighborhood the next day, spoke with Darlene, Paula's friend, and asked her if she had seen these girls. He was told that they were staying the night at Mrs. Wright's house. Lester went to Gertrude's home where he would find his girls. While there, he and Mrs. Wright would discuss the situation of where the girls should stay. While visiting his wife in jail, the two decided they were going to get back together and travel as carnies in a carnival out of Florida. In hearing this, Gertrude would suggest that the girls stay at her home and a charge of $20 a week would be what she would receive to care for them. Now, let me put this into perspective a little bit. Gertrude was paying $55 a month to live in that house. So $20 would be amazing to get per week. That would like help her with food, help her with a ton of stuff. So that's part, I think part of the reason she jumped on that pretty quick. Yeah, that's quite a bit back then. Yeah. It doesn't sound like a good idea to me though, because that's just more mouths to feed. But maybe Gertrude was thinking of consistent money coming in, like I just said. But still, that's like two more mouths, right? So you, you, you now have- But the age of them, they're also older. So she's probably looking into it as they're kind of more self-sufficient and they could probably help me doing stuff for the younger kids. Maybe. I could see that too. Lester would agree with the arrangement and leave the girls at the home without even taking a walkthrough to see the living situation. If he had, he would have most likely been horrified. But who really knows? The house was gross. There was built up dirt on the surfaces and only a few beds. Who knows where everyone slept? There wasn't even a stove to cook meals. If he was that quick to get rid of his kids, I know. I don't think he really cared. I know. It's sad to say it that way, but hey, 20 bucks, someone's going to take care of my kids. I can go back and be a carny with my wife. Let's lead the ultimate lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. And, and I mean, he must, they must have been making really good money as carnies. Yeah, I don't think those two words go together. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe back then, though. I don't know. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carney is a different lifestyle. I think it's something that you should probably experience or know somebody who has. 
Over the years, I've had the chance to make some deliveries to Carney's. Ooh. Yes, in the middle of the night where I'll go and like fill generators or whatnot. And the things that happen there and the debauchery that I see just delivering a product to these guys in the middle of the night, like there isn't a stitch of clothes to be found. These people are running around naked. They have these massive trailers that have like 25, 30 bunks in them. There's just each, you just open a door and there's just a, like a little bed. It's like oh. the world's smallest mini hotel on wheels. It looks like a horse trailer. And these guys, I think you just kind of wherever you land, you land. I picture American American Horror Story. Did you ever watch the, the oh, season? I love that, that show. The season that was about the. I did. Oh God, that's I'm trying like, to get Kristen to watch it. She refuses. So good. That was that that was a really good season. And I have not out. seen one that I have not liked. Yeah, that was crazy. Yes, I agree. <laughs> let's let's carry on. So, Mark, there were barely any plates or silverware, and the only food in the house was bread and crackers. Yeah. Yeah. Lester also told Gertrude that the girls needed much discipline. He told her to straighten them up. Nice people, right? Hi. Yeah. Just met you. Don't know you from a hole in the wall, but sure you can take care of my children. Well, me and my wife run off with the carnival. Oh, and also feel free to rough them up. Make sure you beat them up. Make sure you beat them up. They're real bad. Sylvia and Jenny. I just did it again. Jenny. No, I said Sylvia. Why do I add R's like that? <laughs> Oh, man. That's like the owl who licks the uh, Tootsie Pop. One, two, three. It's like the world will never know, Charity, why you put R's on everything. I'm going to consciously try not to. Please don't. Actually, people love it. They really do. Sylvia and Jenny would now add to a very full house. We have Gertrude, of course, and all of her children. All right. I have to stop you because you just triggered. Speaking of full house. Oh, my God. Bob Saget. Oh, my God, guys. I'm so sad about that. Oh, that would hit me. We lose Betty White and oh then Bob Saget. God. Bob Saget was, I I grew up watching, I just, Full House, it was amazing. And he, I, I just really bought, he was only 65. I know, it's sad. Young. Remember back like 20 years ago when you'd hear 65 and you'd be like, oh my God, that's old. Not like that now. I mean, look at, look at Betty. We're getting closer to 65. That's fine. And um, when you say we, I think you just mean you. Uh, we're the same age. Okay, whatever. Let me talk about how many people are in the house and their ages. Paula, 17, John, 12, Stephanie, 15, Marie, 11, Shirley, 10, James, 8, and Dennis, just 16 months old. Wow, seven. Holy crap. So seven kids of her own, and now you have two more mouths to feed. Wow. So that's nine, so 10 people living in the house. And then you also have to imagine if her house is the hangout for all the kids to come over, I don't know if she supplies them. Well, obviously there's no food in the house. It's just bread and crackers. You want crackers? You want some crackers? That is crazy. Just a, I can't even imagine growing up like that. Mm-hmm. Let's continue on. The first week at Mrs. Quote unquote Wright's home was uneventful for Sylvia and Jenny. They would go with the family to church on Sunday and would t- attend the high school. They even went to a few social events with the other teenagers in the house. The atmosphere would change drastically when Lester's first payment didn't arrive. At this time, Gertrude would lose her crap, saying, I took care of you two bitches for nothing. Whoa. Yeah, it, that, it, it escalates quickly. In a rage, she would force Sylvia and Jenny to lay across her bed bare-bottomed while she beat their bums raw with a wooden paddle. How is any of this they're doing? Your guess is as good as mine. A little while after the horrible beating, Betty and Lester Likens would pass through town to check on the girls. 
Oh, how nice of them to try to check on their own children that they left with a stranger. They're flesh and blood. Yeah. Like, this is sad. Yeah. Unfortunately, the sisters would say nothing to their parents about the abuse. It was said that Gertrude threatened them not to say anything. So they didn't out of fear of what might happen to them. I got it. Oh, this aggravates me. This goes back to like when you watch all the crime shows where people are like, well, I was out in public and I was at the store, but they told me not to say anything. Yep. I'm sorry if that's me. I'm going to be like, this guy is abducting me or this person is threatening to kill me. Right. Like, come on, people. This is what I think, though. I think clearly they knew their parents weren't going to take them with them since they were just passing through. So it would make it worse if they said something. So I I think they probably in their minds might have been thinking maybe this would be the only. What a horrible position to be put into. Mark, it gets a lot worse. You're scaring me. I literally. Well, never mind. I'm just going to continue on reading. Sylvia and Jenny would go through neighbor's trash looking for Coke bottles. They would sell the bottles and use the money to buy candy. That is until Gertrude saw them with the candy. I mean, they were just being kids, right? I mean, didn't everybody look for like the cans back well, in the and day? They, and they weren't doing anything wrong. They were they were being thrown out. They were they were cans that people put in the trash. So they weren't doing the grand anything. scheme of things. They were doing something good. They were recycling. Exactly. The girls were accused of stealing. Poor Sylvia would try her best to tell the wretched woman of how the, they got the money for the candy. Gertrude would not listen to a word. Instead. Sylvia would be thrown across the bed again in her bare bottom and back would be beaten again with a paddle. This beating continued until Gertrude became too weak due to her chronic illnesses. She would pass the paddle to Paula so the beating could continue. I hate this woman. I hate her. You've heard of a mob mentality, right? Yes. This is what is going to start happening to this poor girl. Ugh. And I don't, I don't understand for the life of me how something like this, this horrible could happen. But let me continue on and you can put your two cents in. All right, I will. Not too long after the beating Silver received because of the candy, the Banaszewski children would approach their mother explaining how grossed out they were by the amount of food Sylvia consumed at a church social. Gertrude would tell Sylvia that she was pissed off that the young girl would do something to alter her appearance. The poor girl was probably starving. That's my, my take on it. Yeah, binge eating because she hasn't eaten anything. Exactly. Because of this, Gertrude would force Sylvia to eat a hot dog with tons of condiments on it. When Sylvia threw it up, she was forced to gather and eat her own vomit. Oh, my God. This is like the stuff that nightmares are made of. Yep. When Lester and Betty passed through town again to check on their children, Sylvia would stay tight-lipped on the recent abuse, not only must she have been petrified of Gertrude, but now she had to closely watch what she did in front of the other children. Now the other children are starting to tattle on her and say things that shouldn't matter. Oh, they're they, sitting back. I obviously what in my mind, like, cause I don't know what's going on here. Maybe they're putting the focus of their mom onto this one. So their focus is off of them. That's I thought of that too. I really did think of that. Exactly. I just don't understand how people get any of this in their head. I don't either. People like her. I hate, like, I hate people like this. I really do. Well, you're going to more than hate her by the end of this. Gertrude must've felt bad for Jenny because of how fragile she was from her earlier illness. Therefore, by August of 1965, all of the abuse was turned solely on Sylvia. Ugh, horrible. Sylvia had made the mistake of saying she once had a boyfriend and she may have let him feel her up. When Gertrude and Paula heard this, they would both fly into a rage. 
Gertrude would accuse the girl of being a prostitute, swearing at her and kicking her in the crotch, telling all the other children that Sylvia allowed a boy to get her pregnant by letting him touch her vagina. When Sylvia tried to sit down after the kicking stopped, Paula would step in, throw her out of the chair yelling, you ain't fit to sit in chairs, then continued kicking her in the crotch. From this point on, all the other children were told they could use Sylvia for fun. This included beatings at any time and even throwing her down the stairs. Before school was back in session, the new family next door, the Vermillions, would have a cookout invite Gertrude's entire household. Phyllis, the wife, would see Sylvia with a black eye, and Gertrude would even tell her proudly that she was the one to give it to her. Also during the party, Paula was seen throwing a glass of scalding hot water in Sylvia's face. No one from the barbecue would say anything to the authorities. How what is wrong with people? I'm sorry. If I see something like this happening in my neighborhood, I'm calling the police. In fact, Phyllis witnessed an actual beating when in Gertrude's home asking to borrow something. She would still say nothing. How you're watching a young child being beaten. This is not just mind your own business. It's not a spanking. I get it's the 60s, but I know. there's still things that are wrong I, back then. And I this do, is one of them. Yeah, I do feel like you're right. Like I, we kind of do have to put ourselves back in that time because even present day, we talk about all the time, like see something, say something. It's still, people still don't say as much as they should. So I can't imagine back then where behind closed doors, it's more private, but I mean. Have I you mean, ever seen that show, The What Would You Do? Yes. I can never pronounce his name. Is it like Quinones. John, John Quinones? I love him. That is my one of my favorites to watch. So we always say, see something, say something. But five minutes of watching that show shows you to this day, the stuff that people let happen so they just mm -hmm. are not involved is mind boggling to me. I've like clapped out loud watching that show when someone d does the right thing. Yeah, I love it. I love when somebody actually has the balls. I hate to say it that way, mm -hmm. but to stand up to somebody. It's true. It's pathetic how we have now just, oh, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be involved. Right. I would put myself in any harm's way to save somebody. That's just the way I was yep. raised. I know. And it's pathetic that people just weasel out of stuff just I mean, to be could, like, oh, let me go away. You could even just make a, a anonymous phone call to the police to do like a well check or something. Yeah, this is all sad. Yeah. I, I'm hoping this is something in society that we can figure out I before so. too long because- Far too many things happen just because people just turn a blind eye to it. Yep. It was now fall and the girls would be back in school. It was rumored that Sylvia and Jenny told their classmates that they had seen Paula and Stephanie having sex for money, basically calling them prostitutes. Who knows if this was even true? I'm really starting to think a lot of these kids, like you said, the mob mentality, almost just like, ooh, this is now their Comedy Central. Sadly, Mark, it's it's kind of true. These These kids are just thinking this is fun. When Gertrude heard this, she would condemn the girls in front of the other children and their friends. Stephanie would tell her 15-year-old boyfriend, Coy Hubbard, what the sisters supposedly said. So he would come to the house and be encouraged by all to attack Sylvia while everyone watched and giggled. Gertrude would tell Coy to come to the house frequently to practice his judo on Sylvia. This poor girl. Yeah, I, I hate her. I can't even fathom this happening, but it did. Well, to steal a line that we used months ago, this is like the epitome of a freaking wank hammer. Oh, totally. A wank I, I hate this lady and I haven't even, I guarantee I know how you operate. We haven't even gotten into the bad stuff yet. And I already despise this person and I feel horrible. Do you know what she is? She's a word that starts with a C and ends with a T and I'm not going to say it. 
All right, so I'm going to try to figure it out. Charity, are you saying carrot? No. Starts with a C and ends with a T. That is a word that starts with a C and ends with a T. This is a very derogatory word towards a woman that you would never say unless it was absolutely true. In this case, it is. And guess what, crime creeps? If you guys know the word, you can feel free to message it to us. Not on the Facebook, but privately. We will not be offended. All right. Hey. Go ahead. Maybe it's cat. I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out. I guess we will. Yeah. Yet another one of Gertrude's accusations was that Sylvia was stealing classmates' gym clothes. Where was she coming up with this stuff is my first question. I think she's just trying to find stuff at this point just to make this this girl's life hell. Well, it's funny because in um, the book that I read, um, they said that she actually asked Gertrude for gym clothes because she didn't have any. And then- that's why she stole the clothes. So she could have stolen the clothes, but it was only because Gertrude said no. And she had no choice. She needed gym clothes. So I don't know. I don't know if she actually stole them or she didn't, but the punishment mark was Gertrude screaming. I hate you. And you've ruined my life while burning Sylvia's fingertips with a match. The poor thing. Where does she come up with this stuff? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Gertrude would even get into the head of Sylvia's best friend, 13 year old Anna Sisko. She would corner Anna and tell her that she was positive. Sylvia was telling everyone she knew that her mother was a prostitute. Her with the prostituting. Like, just stop. Anna would turn against Sylvia and violently attack her, obviously ending their relationship. Gertrude would tell one of Paula's friends the same thing about her mother, then encouraged her to beat Sylvia yet again. Why weren't any of these teenagers realizing how wrong this was? Like, I don't understand. You're, you're old enough to know right from wrong. It makes you really think into how we act as young individuals. This was the cool place to hang out. Remember that this was the cool place. And now you're being antagonized into like, hey, you can do this. Look, it's cool. Oh, my God. The subject always seemed to turn to Sylvia being sexual. Gertrude would yell at her saying, you should never do anything with a boy until you're married. Sylvia would tell her that she hadn't. This response would only upset Gertrude. Somebody should also tell Gertrude this. Isn't she the one who has seven children? Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. She would just continue yelling at her. You should never, all while vigorously kicking her in the crotch yet again. This seemed to be one of her go-to beatings. How lovely, right? Let me just kick you. I don't care. First of all, look, I've never been kicked in the crotch. I know for a guy. It's you know what that's called, right? I can't say the word because yes. I supposedly don't know it, but it's a sea punt. Oh, it's a, um, a cat punt? Cat punt, yes. Yeah. Okay. This kind of beating wouldn't make Gertrude happy for long. So instead of kicking, she would make Sylvia take off all of her clothes. She would then insert a glass bottle into her vagina while all the other children would watch and laugh. What the? Wow. This freaking douchebag is out of control. I would say out of control is a complete understatement. I can't even believe this. It's absolutely deplorable. It is disgusting. Gertrude also forced Sylvia to get naked and masturbate with with the glass bottle while some neighborhood boys watched. This was again because she was accused of being a prostitute. No wonder why everybody thinks this is the cool place to hang out. Give me a break. Nobody said anything to any adult. Nope. Wow. Well, I am appalled. Just wait. We'll kind of get into that a little bit. The sister's parents would again check on their daughters on October 5th, 1965. Neither of the girls said anything again, thinking it would only make the situation worse. Gertrude would keep the girls away from anyone that cared. She wouldn't even let them see their sister, Diana. I guess she lived nearby. 
why wouldn't the parents have asked their older sister to take them in? So the sister, uh, from what I read, was much older and she had a husband and some kids of her own. So I don't know if that would have been just too much for her to take in. So the parents didn't even ask, but she didn't live that far away. So many things could have been done different to prevent these horrible events. Paula was known to open the door and yell to Sylvia, get away and stay away. Sylvia would stay feeling as if she had nowhere to go. Imagine how sad and scared and alone she must've felt. I'm horrified for her. Things get much worse, Mark, but we're going to go ahead and stop here. And everyone's going to have to wait till the next episode. All right. This is like back into the eighties. They don't do this much anymore. It used to be, remember it would pop up on the screen, dot, 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 to be continued. I'd be like, no. I do that with other podcasts I listen to also when I want to know like the second half. I'm like, oh, because I don't want to look up the case because I want to hear it told. I get it. I get it. But guys going to have to wait to the next episode. This case is absolutely driving me nuts. You have me enthralled. I feel so horrible. It's sad. I, I just I can't even put myself into any one of these shoes. Not even saying that her other children, I know they're participating in the downfall of her, but at the same time, Maybe they felt like they had to. I'm not trying to make excuses for anybody, and I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure I'm going to find out here in the next episode. So, guys, go ahead. Join me while we discover this together. Case Watch Podcast. Can't wait to get you on the next episode. Have a good one. Bye, guys. See ya. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply.